Hello and welcome to episode 188 of the Saint Score podcast, where we discuss everything going on with Southampton Football Club. What a start to the championship season it's been. Seven points from nine, most recently against Plymouth. A win, that is, with the most recent coming courtesy of another late Che Adams goal. Transfer news will also be discussed with downs coming through the door. And, of course, we'll preview the game against QPR. My name's Harry Tizzle. I'm joined by Ollie Boast and Jamie Allen. And I'll start with Jamie. How are you doing this week? Not bad. Missed the last two episodes because I've been busy, busy moving to London. So sorry if the room is a bit echoey or not. I'm just trying to get the, the stuff sorted. But yeah, I'm glad to be back on the podcast. And Ollie, how are you doing this week? I'm good. I switched up the sports this uh, this week. I didn't go to football or anything. I ended up going to the cricket in Cardiff, which was a first for me. Um, and I, quite, I really enjoyed it. I, I kind of went in with a kind of... I've never really been into that cricket that much. I've been once or twice and never kind of caught the bug but uh yeah i went to the hundred which i think is the most kind of upbeat quickest version of the cricket that they do at the moment and really enjoyed it um it was, it was good fun i've never been to cardiff either before so had a little explore around there and uh yeah that's probably the, the highlight of my week so far uh, have you been to the hundred before I've not been to the 100, no, but I really want to get to like the Ashes when it's back in England in 2027. I think it's at the Aegeus. Um, mm. So I, I sort of, I sort of, I, I like any sort of cricket to be fair. I think I had that Ashes bug, the the five tests that were on when it's the 2-2 draw and maybe we should have won, but I guess I guess that's for a different sort of podcast if you want to <laughs> yeah. start off we'll a cricket a one at any, any point. <laughs> Normally, we sort of plug all of our stuff at the end of the episode, but you know what? This time we're going to do it at the start. If you enjoy what we do, please give us a five star rating on Spotify. We're now on Amazon Music as well. If you want to Ooh. listen there, and also on TikTok. So if you can't listen to an hour worth of us speaking about Saints, all the best bits are over there during the week. But the main thing that we are going to talk about this week, it's against Plymouth, the game that we won all the way down at the south. I think at some point they were calling us northerners, which shows you <laughs> what part of the country that we were in. Ollie, what did you think about the game against Plymouth? Yeah, I wasn't able to catch all of it, unfortunately. So um, just mainly going on on the highlights. But again, it's another late winner. I think we're going to see a lot of these 90th minute goals because of all this added time that's added on. Uh, but it's nice to see that mentality going to the end, uh, having that quality and... I will get onto it at the end, but the way that the goal was was scored at the end seemed like there was definitely not a style, but a, a setup to try and create that chance. And I think we had an opportunity earlier in the game, which was almost identical, very similar, and it paid off. So I think that shows that there is some sort of um, coaching set pieces that we're we're trying to improve on, and it it made the difference this time. It got us the three points by. Um, yeah, using that plan and, and getting the goal. So, uh, yeah, re- really good to see. And I think there was a, a couple of changes that that needed to be made as well in terms of kind of being forced into those changes. And they they seemed to work well. I know the manager wasn't particularly pleased with the first half, but much happier with the second. And we grew into the game and, and got the three points, which vitally is the the important thing come, coming out of the game. And Jamie, three games in, we've got two wins. How did you feel about it? Continue my uh, my point of we're going to win the league, huh. <laughs> but um, and I'm only messing around. But to that I say, like Ollie said, I think lots of these last minute goals would be a regular occurrence. But I kind of love the excitement of the championship because like none of us really know too much about it. It's obviously been prem based club for the last thirteen odd years. So I've, I go into all these games and not ever, never really too sure which way it's going to go because you just don't know. And it's exciting football, and as long as we keep winning. I'll happily keep watching these games. Do you know what I did? I did it today and I realised I haven't done this for a long, long time. I checked the fixtures because I was excited to see who we had next week. I thought, oh, <laughs> who have we got? I'm looking forward to this. And I went, oh, oh, I haven't had that in a good few months because near the tail end of last season, it felt like a kind of foregone conclusion and we knew what was going to happen. So it was nice to check the fixtures and go, oh, I wonder, oh, we might have a chance, QPR. Da, 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 da. So, uh yeah, that was a nice little wave that I realised, oh, I'm actually quite <laughs> enjoying this championship football, that we're, we're a good team and I'm excited to see who we play next. So it's quite nice. I agree with Jamie. It's nice to have that that feeling in the championship and know we might actually have a, a, a good game to look forward to. 
Now, someone that definitely didn't enjoy the last two seasons was Adam Armstrong, only four goals in that time. But he was named almost as one of the midfielders against Plymouth. When you saw the team sheet come out, Oli, Alcaraz wasn't there, but we had four attackers. How did, how did that make you feel? Hmm. I was a little bit apprehensive because we went very attacking against Norwich and it ended up with a 4-4. And I think the main frustration out of that game, especially in the first half, was how unbalanced we were. Um, but I was excited to see, uh, I believe it's a full full debut for starting Shea Charles in, in defensive midfield. I thought his substitute appearance was very strong when he came on, when I when I got to saw him and thought he, he did all of the basic stuff really well, very composed, um, kept the position well. So I was excited to see him start. And I think he just continued to that on throughout the game that we saw against Plymouth, really. So um, you know, exciting to see us go out and attack and see, yeah, Adam Armstrong in this. People call him a, a number eight the way he was kind of getting in and, <laughs> and carrying the ball. But we know he's got pace. We know he can he can drive at um, oppositions. And even when he's up front, he likes to come in and kind of come off come off that defender and try and get uh, involved with the play, which I think is why the manager likes him so much. So, yeah, interesting to see that and see him in a, a different system. And I think. It shows the versatility that he has. He's very open to try new positions, and I think he looks comfortable in kind of wherever wherever he's put. And he just he's a hard worker, and we've seen him sometimes go over to the left if necessary to make that room for Che Adams. And we've seen him drop back further now as well. And he seems fairly com- uh, competent in in both those positions. So yeah, quite quite interesting setup, but good to see we have that option if we need it. So in that sense, it was it was a success, I say. And Ollie mentioned it there, Jamie, but does that make Adam Armstrong sort of the perfect Russell Martin player that he can play on the left, he can play up front, apparently he can play in midfield as well. <laughs> Were you a bit concerned going into the game? You know, no Alcaraz, no Smallbone, and James Wilprouse has left. Flynn Downs had food poisoning, so he wasn't in the door either. So he looks quite thin on the ground before the game started. Yeah, I think it showed, especially with our bench in that game, like our academy player, especially with Don Ballard of a a couple of goals in the evening before managed going all the way down to Plymouth. That was showed that we have a very thin, thin stretch squad considering how many players are refusing to play or pretending to be injured. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've always been a big fan of Adam Armstrong to be honest, because I know he didn't have, like you said, Harry, Harry, four goals in two seasons for a strike. We spent 15 million on isn't the best outcome, but it's kind of a bit of a Shane Long-esque where, you know, always give his best, no matter what he'll try or, He'll run for manager, he'll play whatever football manager wants. If as long as he's starting, he'll do his best abilities. I think it's shown, especially in that Norwich game, like the biggest roar of the whole crowd when he did that 40-yard sprint to take down mm. Josh Sargent. It was gorgeous. But I've got the full confidence in Adam Armstrong that whenever he plays for us, he'll do his best. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do under Russell Martin. Well, let's talk about the first half then. Not much to speak about, really. I think there was a Stuart Armstrong free kick. Plymouth had a couple of chances. What did you make of, about the first 45 minutes, Ollie? Were you a bit concerned that we, we were giving away quite a lot of opportunities, even though Plymouth weren't able to really make anything of it? Yeah, it wasn't the most of note, really. <laughs> we didn't look particularly strong. Like I said, I don't think the manager was particularly happy with how we set out. Um, we didn't really give much away. I don't think Plymouth looked particularly dangerous but I think we knew we had to make some changes into the second half or at least kind of change the mentality a little bit I think our passing style relies on quality and that that quality needs to come at the end of possession when it's in that final third sometimes when things don't happen it's very easy to recycle play it back go back across the line again and go the other side um, and I've noticed it, it does sometimes rely a lot on the wingers trying to make something happen on the, those 1v1s. And if it doesn't, if it bounces out or goes for a throw in or goes back to the fullback, then sometimes we can look a little stagnant and we don't create too many opportunities. But I think it's that idea of retaining the ball. And I still like that. If you're, It means you don't have to force a, a chance and have to hit it or counter press or something like that. It means we still retain the ball and we can bring it back round again. And it, means the opposition won't be on the ball. So I don't particularly have a problem with it. And we will see halves where we don't have that many shots and we do have a massive amount of possession. I don't think that necessarily means we need to worry, but we've mentioned it before. When those chances arise, we just need to take them. And I think we did well this whole game, especially in the second half, when we had opportunities. 
Um, we did show our quality and the chances we made were very close. Um, so although we got two, there were definitely opportunities, especially in the second half, that it could have been three or four if it was an inch either way. So I wasn't too concerned and I'm definitely more confident after seeing our second half performance. Yeah, Ollie says he's not too concerned. Teller had that chance as well, like you said. I thought Chad Adams probably should have shot, and I'm surprised he didn't really, especially because he's got a bit of a goal-scoring touch at the moment. But Plymouth, they did look better than us in the first 45 minutes, Jamie. Did you put that down to maybe our squad being a bit dismantled? It's a bit all over the place at the moment with just 10 days left of the transfer window. There's only so much time that we have to get some new players in. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point, Tiz. I think, like, just the whole starting 11 is just completely shut our whole midfield is just gone effectively of Smallburn, Lavia and Prousey kind of either injured or transferred elsewhere so I think I think any Saints fan was, would have been apprehensive uh, seeing that before an hour before kickoff when this team sheet's released but they proved their point I think I think all the players that are starting to play for us now are the ones that are investing in Marston's project and trusting the manager and the way we play because who wouldn't want to play this attractive football? He does absorbing all the all the possession. Like, well, it's sixty three percent possession against Plymouth Argo. I can't remember the last time it's sixty three percent possession in a game in the Premier League. To be honest, if you could tell me how, I'd be very impressed. But I doubt, <laughs> doubt you can get it off the top of your head. No, I mean in in the Championship we'll have it probably every game, but in the Premier League you've probably got to go back years. Just basically because of uh, Ralph Hart's new to a style, just wanted to be off the ball more than on it really, and that's how they created chances. So a very very long time. As the halftime whistle broke, I think there's a lot of people on Twitter, Twitter that weren't happy with Adozi and Nathan Teller's performance. Some people said they looked disinterested, maybe didn't create anything whatsoever. Ollie, did, what do you make of that? Is it just because sometimes people have a rough half? Do you, do you make anything out of those comments from either of those players, especially Teller as well, someone that's been leaked away in recent weeks? Um, well, I think they proved them wrong in the second half. So it, it's difficult in hindsight to try and make those those comments, but if you put yourself into that position at half time, I can see what it means because the, the, they're going to get on the ball a lot. I think it's because we're going to try and stretch the pitch as much as possible to give that space to the the number eights that might be coming in, to so the strikers in the middle. Um, so I understand it that they're going to get on the ball a lot and they're going to be um, highlighted if they don't really make anything happen. I kind of mentioned it in the previous point that they're. They kind of relied on to, to make that little bit of space. And once they do, it opens up pockets in that final third. If nothing really happens, then uh, it kind of gets highlighted. So in that first half, when it wasn't quite going right, when they weren't really getting on the ball, when they weren't really making those opportunities, then you kind of think it it isn't really working. But in the second half, tweaks were made and we did start making a, a few more chances. So, yeah, easy to look back now on and go, oh, we should have just given them a bit of a chance. But at you know, like you said, as that whistle goes to the end of the first half, there is a little bit of concern then. I think people have had those issues with um, Adozi not really having that that end product. But I think he, do, he is a player that builds into a game. And I think Teller is someone who likes to create opportunities. I've noticed, especially since he's come back from Burnley, the amount of shots he's taken, the amount of kind of chances he's, he's trying to create is definitely there. I think he's easily one of the players who has the most shots on our on our team because he's constantly trying to make things happen it proves it with the adam armstrong goal he's had a shot on goal and it's taken a nick and it's gone in the back of the net and you might argue if it didn't then it would the keeper would have just made a save but again it's creating that chaos a little and making those chances and um i think i think that is part of teller's game he, he kind of when he gets the opportunity he's not being greedy he just wants to try and make things happen um but in that first half it it just wasn't really working and um you sometimes you have to give that bit of faith you know these are quality players we know what they can do we've seen it um and i think that's why the manager kept their faith, uh, faith in them into the second half and uh, we started to create some more chances yeah, Russell Martin, I think he described the first half in his post-match press conference as just rubbish, which is, <laughs> you know, I guess probably the worst thing you can say um, talking talking about the first 45 minutes. But after the break, I think we were a lot better, at least for the first five minutes any, anyway. Adozi, he just curled one just past the post before uh, the previously mentioned Nathan Teller found the opener. Adam Armstrong was the provider this time rather than the scorer. No one's going to take that goal away from Teller this time. What a finish it was, Jamie. Yeah, I think... Him and Chad Adams are two players that we have to keep because it's, it's all those finishes and these goals that they're both going to provide is 
utmost importance to us in this promotion season we're trying to go for. I think Estella is an unbelievably talented player. I think that the loan, I mean, when the first one loaned to Burnley, I wasn't really too fussed because I thought he wasn't really that good. Maybe like his end product was end product was 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 all right, but that loan really boosted his confidence and shown that he can score goals. And now he's just trying to do that back with us and hopefully stay us for the season because that that championship experience is vital. He's he's a winner of the league we're playing in, and we need those sorts of mentalities to do the same. What do you think he gained the most out of being at Burnley then, Joe? Because over a year, it felt like he's improved mm. tenfold, really. You know, his physicality, his confidence on the ball. Do you think it is just the regular game time that he got and a, and a manager that believed in him? I think you're right there, Harry. I think at Southampton, I don't remember, I don't think he ever got like two or three games in starting 11 back to back. And he had a whole season of under Vincent Company. I think Company's a very positive manager of a very attacking football. And for a player like Nathan Teller, that's perfect because he thrives off the confidence, thrives off the of the love you get from the fans and he definitely got that at Burnley. Well, as soon as we stop celebrating, Plymouth found an almost immediate equaliser. Whitaker made the most of Manning's slip. His cross was delicious into the middle of the box to Hardy, who did a fantastic finish. But it's the second game in a row, Ollie, that we've conceded a goal after going 1-0 up or 2-1 up against Norwich, really, that we've conceded almost immediately. Is that something we need to work on in the future? Is there a concentration problem or do you think it's just purely coincidental? Maybe it's just we're not used to leading games. <laughs> uh, in fact, that's not true because we always used to throw away leads under Hasenhutl, so that, that's not true at all. Um, no, I think it is just uh, concentration. It's a big cliche that you're always most vulnerable to concede once you've just scored because you know you're patting yourself on the back and then suddenly the opposition are, are running straight at you and they're trying to score a goal themselves but I think it is true I think you need the players to switch on straight away and kind of have that mentality that we don't we don't drop our guard we're going to go straight back again and we're going to um yeah keep our head switched on I think the actual goal to talk about the goal it's like you said a brilliant cross and the striker's just gone in between um, a fullback, Walker Peters, and I believe it was Bednarak where he's got in front of him. So Walker Peters has left him thinking Bednarak's going to pick him up. Bednarak doesn't pick him up and he runs in between him and kind of goes around his back. And then um, he can just he can just tap it in the near post and um, you can't really, the keeper can't do much about that. So slight communication issue between the two. If Walker Peters is going to let him let him run through, then Bednarak needs to be aware of that and make sure he gets in front so the ball doesn't actually get to the striker but it's just it's gone between the two of them so yeah not not a great goal to concede a little bit frustrating it's a it's a it's a great cross and um a great finish so you can't have any complaints in that regard but just a little bit disappointed that the communication between the two two defenders wasn't there now, someone that's come under fire by some of the, the, the Southampton fan base is ryan manning he was at fault for one of the goals against Norwich, and he slips on this occasion Jamie, what, what do you think of what he's done so far? Do you think it's rightful that he was he's getting this criticism or do you think it's a bit unfair? Well, it's like it's two slips in a row, unfortunately, <laughs> for Ryan Mannings. Because, yeah, the slip against Norwich and then this one at the halfway line. But um, I, did, I think it's un, unjustified, though. I think, obviously, it's two, unfortunately, big errors. But it's just, I think, if I was any other player, they'd be absolutely get even more crucified online. But... Where he's been so good for us in every other aspect apart from those two, so I don't say tiny mistakes because obviously they led to goals, but there's two errors he made. He's been um, undeniably our best player, in my opinion. He knows the system. Every all the defense is always flowing to him. He always knows he most often time in the back is in the back line. It goes to him because he knows the system and he knows what Russell Martin wants. And I think that if anything, that our family should probably get off his back a little bit because, like I said, it's new. New town, new city, and it would take maybe take a while for him to settle in. But it's just, it's just unfortunately, the two errors he has only two errors he's made, in my opinion, have led to the two goals. Plymouth had the momentum at that point. Hardy goes almost running through on goal, and it looks on first look that uh, Gavin Bazunu took him out. That one where he's gone for it. It's nice to see the keeper coming off the line. Uh, it, there did look like contact or something's happened when he's knocked it around. Then it's at that awkward point where. The striker is wide and it's going to be difficult for him to put it in the back of the net if he does go around from the keeper or he needs to kind of knock it across to someone to put it in. So he's gone to ground and the ref has said that he's dived and given uh, a yellow card, which is very 
uh, brave from the ref, to be honest, because, you know, with a home crowd and stuff like that, it would be very easy just to point at the spot. And in, in real time, it did look like there was a bit of contact. I've watched it back because I want to try and see if there if it is a dive. And he's gone round. Bazunu hasn't actually hit him with his hands. The only place of contact is a trailing leg by the the striker, which he very much could have just left it there to pick up the contact and trip him over. So to me, it looks like a deliberate decision by the striker to go to ground. And I can understand why he gave the... Um, he gave the yellow card for a dive because he's looking to go to ground there because he probably knows he can't get round and put it in the back of the net. Um, so, in my opinion, a very good call from the ref in in real time. And, you know, there's no VAR on the championship, as we know. So, that decision sticks. And, um, yeah, you know, he can't, he can't not make the decision and then go to the monitor to correct it. He's got to make that decision in real time. He's done it. And I think he's probably made the right call. Now, Jamie, I know you're a student of the game and you love the traditional side mm. of it as well. What should happen to people that dive? How would you eradicate it from the game? Because like Ollie said, in the championship, if a penalty is given, it doesn't matter if he's banned next week you know, for whatever games to us anyway, because the d- decision wasn't seen at that very first moment. Because if we went 2-1 down there, that's a completely different fixture for someone that's tried to bend the rules, let's say. Um, That's a tough one, I guess, but it's just suspensions I guess I know it doesn't necessarily affect us what happens if another team's player is sent off but it's more the fact that it affects us in that game depending on what time the game is we could have another half hour of a, a man advantage or five minutes but I don't know I think this season in the Premier and Championship yellow cards are coming out more often for the smaller offences so everything is being tightened down on but I'd be interested to see how long this yellow card malarkey is going on for because it seems to be like six or seven per game across the whole board effectively for different bits of dissent, but I think this season, what to answer your question, Harry, is happening in full effect because it's showing me all these yellow cards for I don't know, kicking the ball away, or I think it was that Bednarek had one, it was silly, he just literally just chucked the ball a meter away and he got a yellow card for it. But I think the dissent is being looked at, and right, rightly so, people are getting punished for it. I think that'll hopefully stop making the games more fast paced and stop the silly decisions from other players because obviously, Southampton players can't do anything wrong. From that moment on, it seems like Southampton started to dominate. Stuart Armstrong hit the bar, and then Adam Armstrong, it looked like he was going to provide a goal from Sam Adozi. Oli, do you think he just lacked that striker's instinct there as a young winger? He didn't really think about darting across the box because it would have been a simple finish for him. Yeah, he's kind of lagged behind a little bit, and you can see him. He's running in that centre, and he's kind of slowed down a little bit because he's seeing Armstrong. If he's just kind of carried on his run and slid back post, it would have... It would have been a, a a pretty easy goal to put away, but I think you're right. Yeah, a little bit a little bit out of position coming in in that centre and not having that instinct to try and get to that back post. And Adam Armstrong as a a striker, he's a good facilitator in that sense because if you think that was Chai Adams, they would have had that instinct and they would have known exactly what they'd do. But yeah, like you said, I think Adozi didn't quite um, switch on in that situation and could have had. Could have had a goal there, but um, yeah, unfortunately, wasn't to be. But you could still see we were applying that pressure and creating good chances. Although we didn't get anything out of it in the end, it was a good chance, and we looked frightening. I mean, almost straight after Adam Armstrong tried to unleash is in a James World Prowse of a free <laughs> kick that went through the wall, and it's excellently saved by Hazards, really. Although he'll definitely have questions about the capability of his wall. And then Sam Amo Amayor came on but he's got the unenviable task of being behind Nathan Teller on the right hand side do you think that he should be getting more appearances because he made an immediate impact and really made the corner that helped us score the goal Jamie I think his involvement in the score will definitely have you depend on the transfers we are be getting in over the next few days but if we don't if I don't know say god forbid we sell Nathan Teller and don't bring him in in time I think Sam Amo a Weibo, maybe. I don't know if you got that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where the I don't know where the B came from. That's I, the, I don't know. That's interesting panicking, panicking. <laughs> But um, he could be vital to our season. I think he's an extremely talented um, young player, and it's it's been exciting because we haven't had a player like this come through our academy for a long time. I know, say, come from academy. It's only been there for a year or so after transferring from Spurs, but it's a very exciting talent. I wish to see a lot more in the Saints colours and. I just can't believe we got him from Spurs to be honest after they changed their wage structure in their academy because I think if I was Daniel Levy, I'd do I'd offer him a couple hundred quid more, which is all he asked for. 
just to keep at the club and save him a couple million pounds down the line when eventually the prem, other Prem teams will come for him because he is that good of a player. Late drama then came Adam Armstrong's brilliant header, which saved for only as far as Che Adams. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was thinking, don't do the same thing you did against Wolves and mess up a chance and one yard out. But he smashed it into the back of the net. Ollie, what were you feeling like at that very moment? It always seems like it's him. He pops up in the right uh, right time and um, he's put it away. It also made me realise how important it is that we can try and time down and keep him in the championship. There's a lot of people saying, oh, just let him go on a free. It'll be so important to us in the championship. And while I agree with that, because I think he is our best chance of getting 20 plus goals in this championship season, I think we can't afford to lose a 15 million valued player on a free next year. Um, just for the kind of the business sense, it doesn't it doesn't make sense for us to lose them. I understand it will get us a lot of guaranteed goals, but to lose them, and especially you think fast forward to the January transfer window, if he can already start negotiating with other teams, that kind of mental checkout could be there, and he might he might have a really flat second half of the season because he doesn't have that motivation as much because he's already thinking about a Premier League move and he doesn't really want to continue playing Championship football. You have to bear that in mind and. There's been whisperings that if we do reject bids, then we will try and reopen contract negotiations, which I think personally would be the best decision because we know Che Adams' quality. We know he will get goals in the championship. And if we can kind of convince him to stay on board with us in the championship, I think he could have a really successful season, help us get promotion, be a little bit of a cult hero, and then he'll be in the Premier League like he wants. But you look at the options that he's being offered at the moment and, you know, the... The rumours of moving to Everton doesn't look too promising right now. It doesn't look like an attractive offer. Uh, I know the money's there for us on our side, but does the player want to go and play? I know it's Premier League football, but it's going to be a, a side that are going to really struggle this year. We know that Chalams hasn't been the most prolific in the Premier League, so he's going to have to go back up to a division which he potentially struggled for goals. You just mentioned the Wolves chance there is a you know a key example. Yeah, is he going to go and play under a Sean Dyche system and see the team that they're into him just lost 4-0 on the weekend? It doesn't look that exciting. I really hope we can try and keep him on board and you know convince him with the, the, the projections that we have here because I think personally it's a we can try and offer something more uh, attractive, but I know that that Premier League temptation's there. So it's really on the player's side. It depends what he wants to do. But yeah, when that goal went in, I thought this is a player we can't lose and we need to try and make sure that we can kind of keep them around as best as we can. I'll skip, I'll skip forward slightly and ask Jamie, what would you do with Che Adams? Because for me, I would keep at any cost, even if it meant we lose, lost him on a free transfer at the end of the season. That £15 million could look a very small amount if he costs us possible promotion if he's gone and we don't find a suitable replacement. It's all good chucking names out there that could be great, but we've seen already that Che Adams is guaranteed goals at this level. And I think he'll be a professional. He would get us 20 goals. And then if he wanted to, if Everton is still in the Premier League and can offer bigger wages, then leave. That That's fine by me. But he's absolutely crucial to our promotion push. I completely agree. I think... Uh, and also in a way disagree with Oli I think it doesn't matter if we let, let him go for free at the end of the season because what is 15 million compared to the money you get when you're in the Premier League you know I think and we have enough money to buy other players it's not like we're desperate for cash I think if desperate for cash yes you can probably make educated guess of yeah, we let him go and take the risk and bring another player who may not get as many goals but we have the money to sit back on and think you know what 15 million is nothing compared to the 140 you already brought in and if that does mean promotion to Premier League, let him go on a free. And I don't think any Saints fans would be too bitter about that. Well, talking about his action so far, that's the second dramatic but also winning goal that he scored so far. Do you think it shows a slight change of mentality, Oli, that it felt that we were conceding these sorts of goals in the last two or three seasons, whereas now it feels like we're confident. We always believe that we can get that crucial goal that will get us a couple of few, a few more points. Yeah, and that's come from building on results that we've had at the start of the season having that confidence. I also think as well, the we're going to be saving our energy by playing this possession style. We're going to make the ball do the work. If the the chance isn't there, then we play it round. And the, the people that we're playing against ha- are having to constantly reset, constantly be uh, paying attention and being switched on and try and make sure that there's no gaps whatsoever. If we switch the ball, if we play it quickly, they're going to have to squeeze over and re- restrict the space. And we've seen it plenty of times in the Premier League 
how many times that we've we've sat back, we've been defensive, our players have got tired, a lapse in concentration near the end of the game. Um, we saw it with Chay Adams' first goal when a player was just left wide open. Chay Adams was in too much space near the end of the game. He, had the, he hasn't been tracked. He's in loads of space and he can just put it in the back of the net. And that becomes because we were dominant in that game for most of it. And he was free and was able to to pick up the chance. So I think it does come from the mentality. I think it does come from confidence. But I think also the play style does help us in that regard as well. And if we believe in the system that we're playing, we will get the chances. And especially near the end of the game as well, when we have that extra bit of fitness, that little bit extra sharpness, it will create us opportunities. And as long as we have the quality to put them away, then I think we will see a lot of late chances and a lot of late goals as well. Now, for me, it wasn't all positives that come out that came out of that game. Jamie, what are your opinions on Seku Mara? Because for me, when he came onto the pitch, it didn't really feel like he was playing the style that Russell Martin wants. He comes on, he tries to do a bit too much, takes a shot from 30 yards. He wasn't disinterested, but it just feels like he do- doesn't understand what we want to be as a club. Instead of putting the ball in the corner or trying to conserve possession, he's had a shot, allowing Plymouth to get back forward. Yeah, Sakamara is an interesting one because I don't. He clearly isn't getting used to Russell Martin's way of football. I'm surprised he even came on again because the, him and his involvement in the our early cup exit. I was surprised he even made the bench for this one because he clearly does not want to play Russ Martin's football. Like Tay said, taking those shots from 30 yards is just not how he wants to play football. And it's just I, I don't think his head's in it as well. I think. The, the squad we need, the squad we need, everyone's heads in and devoted to how the manager wants to get this promotion that we desperately need. And, and unfortunately, I don't think Sakamara's into that. And I think maybe if he we have an offer for him on the table, let in the window, let him go and let Don Ballard take his place on the bench. I think he's a player that will put us all for the club and do whatever the manager wants. Where compared to Sakamara, who's not much better realistically. So I'd ra- I'd rather let. Sakamara maybe go back to France, but even on loan, maybe, or permanent transfer, because clearly he's not buying into the way of football Russell Martin needs. I was going to ask you, Jamie, would you take a loan deal for him or a transfer? What would you prefer? Because he's still got a few years left in his contract, and he's also quite young, so he still could improve. Honestly, I don't really mind, because what's a year away going to do to his attitude against Russell Martin's football style of football, you know? And the other day, say he goes away to you know, league and or something, league, and gets what ten goals. What's that compared to the Premier League football? So, if a loan offer does come in, it's our only option. Yeah, send them away and let Don Bads on the bench, or if it's permanent move. Either way, I'm not too fussed because I don't think he wants to be here. Right, let's end this win with a positive spin. Ollie, who out oh. of all the players on the pitch would you pick out from that game? Well, man of the match, Shay Charles, as uh, as I mentioned sitting in that defensive midfield, doing nothing particularly flashy, but being confident, doing the simple things, sweeping up and cleaning up when needed, um, being progressive when possible. I think he looked a real bright spark, quality player. And I think he showed that confidence. The manager's spoken well about him as well, saying he's been really good taking on information and playing the style, which we want to. Very opposite to Mara there. But, you know, being really... um, yeah, really confident, being a real bright spark and stepping up when needed as well. I was a little bit apprehensive thinking he looked great uh, coming off the bench and kind of getting slowly involved in the game. But I thought, would it be too much to give him that first senior start and need him to uh, really step up? But I think he did. The only questionable thing is that dodgy handball. I don't know what he was doing there, thinking he was still in training or something. Uh, that's volleyball. That's not football. But um, apart from that, I think he had a stellar game. Um, and uh, it was provides real confidence for me as well because it means we could potentially push Will Smallbone into an eight and give that option if we need it um, and we know he's got the potential now to play that that sixth position in front of the defence so real sign of confidence and really promising for the the squad depth as well knowing that he can he can fill in that position and have a man of the match performance so I think he's got to be highlighted I think he was one of the best players on the pitch and I agree with the man of the match award. Well, let's talk about the transfer news then. And Shea Charles is one of three players that we've brought in in this window alongside Ryan Manning and Flynn Downs. Jamie, with 10 days left, how do you feel about this transfer window? We've got £130 million through the door, but a lot of people have been rumoured with exits. There's not a, a lot of real strong links either, apart from Flynn Downs, who's now through the door. But the whole media was talking about, and Russell Marston as well, is when, when someone who's 
We've got players on a list that we can get deals done pretty quickly. And it hasn't really transpired like that. Yeah, it's like, I'm a bit, I'm getting nervous, you know, I'm getting a bit shaky. But um, I, I think it all very much depends on our striker situation, if I'm happy or not by the end of the window. Because I think if Shea Adams does go, and I will be very, very scared of what's next to happen because our history of bringing in strikers to save the day is not the best. I think the last striker we actually signed was any good was Danny Ings, and then before that was the same person of Che Adams. So hmm. uh, it's a bit scary, but I think if we kept the whole squad as it is right now, I wouldn't be too fussed. However. I wouldn't mind one or two extra signings for the midfield, possibly. But I, I don't know. It's, it's it's very odd, very odd one because, like I said, I am happy, but I think there also could be a lot of room for improvement. I still think this squad we could get promotion with, but maybe another midfielder. Well, there's been a lot of links away. We've already talked about Chay Adams, and now it's time to talk about Carl Walker-Peters. A couple of Premier League teams are interested, according to the Mail Sports. Ollie, what do you make of the rumours? Would you let him go? I think if we can keep him, it would be a real push for promotion because he's a quality player and he hasn't really had any concrete offers that have come in. I know, like you said, there's been interest, but I think that's because they might be looking to try and sign a player from that relegator team and look at it and say, we might be able to get him for cheap. But we've proved in this window, we don't need to do that. We've got our valuations for players. We're in no pressure to sell because of the amount of money that we've created from these other players that we have sold. So if the valuation doesn't come in, then we won't sell him and he will be that that quality that we need at right back. And I am reluctant to let him go because you look at the the squad we have behind that and it's James Bree, who, okay, he, he was in the, um, uh, the team of the season for Luton, but completely different style. That was a lot of crossing, uh, potentially a different formation if he was playing in the five. It might not be this possession style that... Russell Martin's looking for. So yes, it might be a good quality player, but he might not be a system player in terms of what we're looking to do. And then past that, it means we're going to have to try and bring in another player to fit that in. So even if we are working in the background to try and bring someone in, there isn't a guaranteed signing that will fill in and be as good as Walker Peters. Every signing is a risk. And I think we know that. And We've seen that from last season. There were players that we brought in who were very successful, like Lavia, but there were other ones that came in and really um, really didn't hit the ground running. So I really think it's important that we can try and keep Walker Peters. But again, that Premier League interest, that um, that want to go and prove himself back at Premier League football. And I think he's got the quality to do that as well. I was surprised that I thought he was going to be one of the first ones to go. I thought he would definitely have gone before Livermento, but that's not the case. So... It, it really depends who comes in for him. But yeah, for me, vital that we keep him because he is that that extra bit of quality that we could really do um, during this season. I mean, if Carl Walker-Peters does go, there's not a lot of options out there either, at least to my knowledge. If there's someone that I would really want to see, it'd be Tyreek Lamptey. I don't know how high in the sky that would be, but someone that hasn't really got a lot of minutes this season or last season either, has had quite a few injuries, but is now playing in the under-21s football, and I think we could reignite his career. Jamie, another player linked away, and it was heavily rumoured with Burnley, but now it's by Leverkusen. It's Nathan Teller, £25 million is apparently the fee that that we would want what would you do with him not to let him leave is <laughs> uh, the, the straight answer but I, I, similar, I said similar to Che Adams I, I think I, I mentioned Teller earlier in this podcast if we were to let him leave it's a serious serious problem because him and Che are proven goals in this level and and like we can't cannot take that rest in the matter the financial benefits we may get from selling the two players the the promotion outweighs the financial point of view, in my opinion, and we have to keep them in the amount of the costs. But I think, yeah, I think Che is more looking likely to leave than Teller. But I think Teller likes the way we play and should hopefully stay. But I honestly, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes with Wilcox because he seemingly seemingly had a good window so far. But fans are getting a bit annoyed with him online. The the incomings not being as good as outgoings. But obviously, that's expected in the championship. But it would hope for a bit more of an older experience on a permanent basis, but we'll see. 
I'm also encouraged as well, because I think Alfie House reported that he's been quite impressed or has been quite happy under Russell Martin as well. So I wouldn't imagine that he would push him for a move away. But if Bayer Leverkusen are playing in Europe, they've got Xavi Alonso as the manager. And you have to sort of replace Moussa Diaby as well. It's going to be quite a, quite a, a tough thing to turn down. The final one that isn't official, but is also possible, the Mail Online report that Joel Perrault and Cameron Archer are both on our wanted list. Perrault, who was at Swansea last season, and you've also got Cameron Archer who's at Middlesbrough on loan. Ollie, out of those two, who would you want to pick? I've heard that apparently Perrault is in... Co- um close to signing a new deal with Swansea is that true so I don't know how how close we would be to that deal considering if he's happy to sign a new contract then I think he's probably pretty happy with the where he's playing football at the moment but I think he would be the better choice because he'd be able to come in and play Russell Martin's system straight away and I think for me he's the more attractive um, out the two I don't know too much about Archer I believe he was on loan to Middlesbrough and got a decent amount of goals there but that's as much as I know don't know too much else. I think he's had a couple of couple of seasons in the championship and knows it well. So I'd be happy to bring in someone with that bit of championship experience. But um, yeah, for me, I think Perot would probably be the stronger of the two, just because he's got slightly better goal record and would would know the system that he would be asked to play. So I think that that's the one that everyone would be calling for. But whether you could do it and whether he, he'd be interested in coming, because apparently he is very close to signing a new deal. I think that would be the stumbling block, but depends. Can can Jason Wilcox do it? I don't, I don't know. Can it? Can he? Can he talk him round and um, get him to join the Saints? I'm I'm not sure, but it, he's Jamie's prediction for top goal scorer. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Jamie's got his fingers crossed that he he can get over the line. I mean, yeah, that would be something special uh, if, if that did happen. I imagine Wilcox has done a lot of good things this window. And if they've already signed Jerry Yates from Blackpool, I don't know what sort of style Duff's, Duff's playing over there, but hopefully we can get that over the line. But let's talk about something that is official. Flynn Downs on loan from West Ham. There's no buy option. I'm not really surprised either. He wants to play against Plymouth, but he had food poisoning. So <laughs> sadly, that couldn't be the case. Jamie, what are your reports? Uh, what are your thoughts on his addition? <laughs> My reports and thoughts on Flynn Downs. Um, I don't know, it seemingly um, saved number four from Kit Lianko, because he wore, he wore for Swansea. That's my reports. But my thoughts on the signing, um, I think it seems quite positive. And because obviously he played under Russell Martin, had his best career there, got his dream move to his boyhood club of West Ham. When I watched his interview of him well, signing for us earlier, kind of did sound like he wants to go back after. The loan has been quite obvious with that, but I thought that's fair enough, I guess. But as a bit, bit of an odd thing to say in the interview. But, um, but yeah, I think it seems all right, really. I don't know. It's like I said, it's like, it's, I don't know, compared to this to like a Matt Grimes who were interested at the start of the that's a bit more excited because it's a bit more older, more proven. But young players worked under Russell Martin before. And I saw some of the stats as well. They're quite good. Like the last three seasons, got 90% passing accuracy and all his passes. So that's including one season Premier League football and obviously then a European conference final and win. So it's evidently a good player, but we'll see how well he suits down in the South Coast. I mean, yeah, he lifted a trophy last year. Hopefully he can do it this one as well. Ollie, what are your thoughts on his addition? Yeah, I have to echo Jamie's thoughts, to be honest. Um, I think he's, again, a player who can really showcase the style that's being asked of him. And uh, we've lost... War Prowse, who was kind of, yeah, the, the real set in the bar. And I think, yeah, having someone who knows that style is going to be really important and bring it out of the others uh, to, to do the same. I think I, I don't have a problem with someone saying that he wants to go back and prove himself at Premier League level because we've got a lot of people in the squad who want to go and do the same. So I don't mind someone coming in being hungry and ambitious. And if that drags us up the league, then I'm going to have no problems with that. I think it also gives us a lot more cover in that defensive midfield position, which we really need. Um, he has high praise for the manager again, which is really nice to hear to make sure we've got someone on board and happy with what we're building here. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a very sensible sign. I think it makes great financial sense as well. Uh, I think it we couldn't have really done done much better. I think it's a good move and, and hopefully it will um, come off well. 
Right, that's enough of the transfer talk and it's time to preview the game against Queen's Park Rangers. They've had a bit of an indifferent start to the season. They were thrashed on the opening day by Watford, beat Cardiff and then lost against Ipswich. Jamie, what are your opinions heading into this clash at St Mary's? I'm, to be honest, I'm looking forward to the game because as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, like I just don't really know much about the championship football. I know I did only research for these episodes and whatnot, but... It's like they also said they had a bit of an interesting start of the season, conceding five. And Begovic game team of the week, so it's clearly a strong keeper in conceding five. I think he kept out. I mean, if any, double that maybe. But um, I think it's a very interesting game. Like I said, they, they open up their defence, they quite attack quite well. So it's a bit like the Norwich game, maybe I think it'll be a higher scoring one, but hopefully we'll come back on top. Yeah, I think QPR are a perfect example from last season that whatever happens after 15 games, it doesn't really mean too much. I think they were top of the table and then they were battling against relegation uh, when Michael Beale left, although they were a bit on the downward curve after that. They've now got Gareth Ainsworth, who just about kept them up last season, but his side's always have a bit of a physical presence, especially if you watched any of Wickham. Ollie, is that going to show a bit of a different test you know, against Plymouth and against Norwich? They're a bit more technical, maybe Sheffield Wednesday on the physical side as well. But does it mm. give us another challenge? Well, I thought Norwich looked pretty, maybe not physical, but just their presence in terms of their physicality was definitely there. So I think, especially in the week, hopefully we're, we're setting up our... Um, set pieces a little bit differently or at least a bit more confidence in the way that we are setting out. I can't remember what Mikey said, which is really bad. I should really go and listen to the previous episode where Mikey uh, analysed our whole setup from corners. But I believe what he was saying was that we had uh, a kind of mix between zonal and man marking and that there was a man free and it wasn't really working. So hopefully we've we fixed that error and then we can try and have a bit, a bit more of a presence ourselves when we're defending or potentially attacking our corners so yeah I think the physicality is something that we could potentially be exposed on and hopefully we can do our very best to try and improve that so I I agree it will be it will be a test but you also hope that we've got the the quality to try and take our opportunities create um create those chances like I say we've got that possession football that we're now trying to build on from and um, I'm really excited to try and see us break down oppositions use that bit of quality um, I, th- I think we've got real strong attacking capabilities down our wing now I, I know we mentioned earlier that Talia and Adozi didn't have the best of their games but we've also got full backs that can overlap I think Manning's really exciting on the ball I think Walker Peters we know can drive inside and make things happen and create those opportunities and We'll be playing against a team, I think, we'll see QPR sit back in a four, in a five and allow us on the ball. So the one thing I'd like to see is us not take 30-yard long shots, try and play one-twos, try and really stretch and and create those pockets of space and hopefully make make something happen, cause a bit of excitement and um, and get some goals for the for St Mary's. Yeah, for the second time this season, we're also coming up against one of the bookies' favourites to get relegated. Jamie, in that case, for a team that will sit back, like Ollie said, do you think the fans will need to stay patient? Because if they're going to be playing in a low block, there's not going to be a lot of space to attack into. And how do you feel like the, the players will react as well? Because the whole of this season, really, we're going to be going in as favourites rather than last season where everyone really expected us to lose most of our games. I just think yeah, as a fan base, we need to get used to this um, possession style of football. We don't have it at the club for a long, long time because there will be periods of the game where we have the ball for 20, 30 minutes but not do much with it as that is how Ross Manas play. He only waits for the select options to hit the pass and run with it. But I said, as I think, I think we need to get used to this slow, not necessarily boring football, but just sit back and then waiting for our chances to attack because when we do attack, we'll hopefully get those goals and it'll be a long and fun season ahead of us. Right. Now, Ollie, would you make any changes going into this game as a tight 2-1 victory against Plymouth? But we got the job done. Is there anyone on the bench or any of the new signings, in fact, or the one new signing that we've made at the time of recording that you'd introduce? Mm, see, I don't really want to disrupt the team. I think we were pretty solid. Flynn Dow's stomach might be a still a bit upset, so it really depends <laughs> on what his... Uh, his physicality's like for the game but you've got to say he's going to have four or five sessions to to get back up to fitness I think he mentioned in his um I didn't actually watch it but I saw a quote that said he'd lost a fair amount of weight from food poisoning so it really depends how he feels physically as well is he going to feel 
a little bit weaker and you know not quite up to match speed I don't know so it might be sensible to keep him out just for a week get him back up to match fitness and then um, try him on for the next week and I also think it'd be disappointing to drop Shea Charles considering he had a man of match performance the week before so personally I think uh, in, if there's nothing that comes up before Friday I'd say sticking with a, a winning team wouldn't be a bad idea at all the only thing is is um, Adam Armstrong still happy to play this role that he's playing at the moment or do you possibly push him out to the left and kind of have him cutting him from the left do you drop Che Adams to the bench even though he got a last minute winner it's difficult questions, but it's nice questions to have because we've got the quality and we're trying to make sure we have that quality in. So um, there's worse situations to be in, but there might be some difficult calls near the end. I'd, I'd want to try and keep a winning team. I think it's a very sensible thing to do, but I understand if we have possibilities to try and bring in other qualities as well, we might we might want to try and do that and keep it fresh. So for me, I wouldn't change a winning team, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Russell Martin does come the end of the week. So, Jamie, Ollie wants to keep the same team. What would you do? And if Carlos Alcaraz is back, would you chuck him straight in? Well, let's see, because I think everyone kind of proved themselves in that in that game to not change anything around. But I think they need to keep Alcaraz happy when I put him back in style. Like, I think he's only with us to be the main man and to be playing in every single game possible. So maybe take out Stuart Armstrong and put in Alcaraz, maybe. But... um. I'm not too sure. It's, 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 it's weird actually because I don't remember the last time I had like a tough call like this on the podcast. Mm. Like, hey, on a minute, we're playing good. Who do we take out for another good <laughs> yeah. player to go in? It's a, uh, it's actually quite tough. But I think yeah, maybe I push Stuart Armstrong purely because obviously he hasn't played a lot of games back to back for a while. So with the long COVID issues he's having, um, not necessarily maybe still having at the moment. But I think if anything, maybe take Stuart Armstrong and put Charlie in. But if we don't, I'd still be happy. Heck, I think Charlie would be a good addition off the bench. Yeah, I didn't really think about that, that it's nice to have positive changes rather than he wasn't good enough. He needs to go. He needs to be <laughs> sold. So positive thinking. I like it. And will it be positive for the final segment? It's score prediction time. Southampton versus QPR. Ollie, what do you think is going to happen? I think we're going to win. I think it will be confident. I still don't think we'll see a clean sheet, unfortunately. But... I think it'll be a 3-1 victory. And Jamie? I'm going to go for a cheeky 2-0. I'm hoping for that clean sheet. We want you, Bazzuno. We want you to do well. <laughs> it's, it's always cheeky with Jamie. It's mm. always cheeky. <laughs> love it. For me, I think it's going to be a comfortable 3-0 victory. As simple as that. They're one of the favourites to go down. And I'm confident going into this game. I've got to back the clean sheet. It's going to happen at some point. So it's 3-0 for me. Anyway, that's all we've got time for for this episode of the podcast. We've discussed Plymouth and that narrow 2-1 victory of a late Che Adams goal. But will he stay? We also analysed all of the transfer news both in and out with Flynn Downs coming through the door. And we previewed the upcoming game against QPR. My name's Harry Tizard. I've been joined by Ollie Boast. Thank you very much for listening. Jamie Allen. Thank you, guys. And hopefully the listeners are happy to be back. <laughs> absolutely hopefully next week we'll be discussing a victory against qpr before previewing the long 12:30 trip on a saturday to sunderland we'll see you Yuck. next week <laughs> <laughs>